the Word of God can be a source of amazing courage. A teenage girl in Columbia received an action Bible from the Voice of the Martyrs. The truth she read in that Bible emboldened her when an armed militia group tried to recruit her to become a teenage soldier. Aaron Miller tells her amazing story. When they came with their ideology, she had the boldness and courage to stand up and say, no, I'm not going. I won't live that way. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma today with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the regional director for VOM in South and Central Asia and Latin America, a very broad scope of territory. Aaron has been our guest previously here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can go to vomradio.net and hear that conversation. In fact, Aaron got to experience a small taste of persecution himself when he was serving in India. He tells that story on VOM Radio. Aaron, welcome back to VOM Radio. Thanks, Todd. We're going to talk today about Colombia, and we're going to talk about what God is doing there. But I want to, before we talk about the church and before we talk about Christians, I want to kind of paint a picture politically, because what we heard a, a year or two ago was there's a peace deal between the government of Colombia and the FARC, the Marxist guerrillas, and uh, butterflies and rainbows were happening all over Colombia. And surely now our brothers and sisters wouldn't face persecution anymore You've just been there. What's the reality on the ground yeah. as it relates to that deal? What's interesting, Todd, I, would, I was hearing from some time from our, our frontline workers and from partners in that area, our staff, that, no, this peace deal is not really what it seems to be. Everybody in the media was getting excited about it, but it, they all knew a year ago that this wasn't what it seemed to be. And so being on the ground now, realizing they were right, that it has broken down. In fact, they're telling us that the FARC and the guerrillas and the paramilitary groups, they're all getting stronger. They are coordinating their efforts a little bit. They're planning to take new zones. Um, so we we talk about red zones in Colombia, and those are zones that they control. The guerrilla groups will control, and they're about to, what we're told is they're about to war for new zones uh, in order to have control in those places. And our brothers and sisters are nervous about that. And, and as we say that, and I want to acknowledge, I, I get mail sometimes that, hey, wait, you're talking about Columbia. There's no persecution in Columbia. We, you know, I lived in this city or I lived in this place. And talk a little bit about that, because the big cities, we, we don't hear about persecution. Correct. So the red zones you mentioned, where yeah. are they and, and how many are they? How many people are affected by this? Oh man, the the numbers are hard to hard to you know calculate. But the the red zones of Colombia are these large geographical areas that are very densely, uh, they're dense jungle. Um, they're not densely populated. They're agricultural areas. A lot of coca is grown there for the production of cocaine. And in fact, they tell me in some of these areas they don't operate in currency. 
they operate in coca powder and coca plants, and that's wow. the currency. That's and so, the dollars. Yeah. And so even Christians in those areas operate have to operate in this system. They get paid maybe in this, and they have to pay and buy things with this. And so these zones, really, there's no government control, and the, the local commanders or the uh, guerrilla leaders are the basically the the authority in those zones yeah so what does that mean for christians well why is it that the guerrillas are so opposed to the church yeah well one pastor just told me on this last trip that they're opposed to us because we share the truth with youth and we steal youth from them the the fark they need these youth uh, they need to come in and be able to recruit new soldiers new troops and deceive them with their ideology and you know tell them that there's this bigger cause they're fighting for and a lot of times those youth are handed a gun and put on the front lines of a battle and it's not a good situation that comes after that it's very very dangerous for them so the FARC have recognized a youth who has a Bible a youth who's involved in a church is going to be harder to recruit absolutely to the point that they have said publicly, they broadcast this into these red zones. If you're a pastor, you're a target. You are wow. You are an enemy to us. I know one of the people you met on this trip, her husband really functions as a pastor, but they don't use that word for a very specific reason. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, they just really were hesitant to use that term. And my translator <laughs> friend, he laughed. He said, they don't want to call him a pastor because if they call him a pastor— that's a different ball game for them. It's a different. He becomes more of a target. He's already a target because of what he's doing, and he's willing to take that. But if if you can lessen it a little bit right. just by taking that name off or the title, then he's happy to do that. One of the people that you met on this trip is a man named Alex, and we some of our listeners will be familiar with Alex's story because we shared it in a video for the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church several years ago, I think over a decade ago now. By the way, if you want to see that video, if you come to vomradio.net, we will put that video on the notes with this episode of the program so you can watch that video. Uh, Alex was on a bus that was pulled off the road by the guerrillas. Uh, They actually began to kill some of the passengers off of the bus. Alex thought he was going to die, and he he told you this story when you were there. Kind of share what he went through in that time. Yeah, so I had heard about him, and I'd heard his story. I'd seen the video, and uh, my contacts in country were telling me that there's a chance we could meet him while I was there, and I was just thrilled to be able to meet him. And so we got to have a couple hours over lunch and just a fellowship time, and he shared a summary of his story. Of course, I was familiar with it, but as he shared, just to hear him say it was amazing. He talked about knowing that he was going to God, knowing that he was about to die. He had been shot in the face. He had been beaten, you know, just terribly in the face. And he knew he was going to God. And he said, I felt, I felt happy. I, I felt like a child. I was singing. He said, as they were beating him with the end of a rifle, he kept telling them, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But then as he went on to share about life now, he, he's operating in ministries and prisons. He's He's studying a degree. He's trying to better himself. He's, he's reaching out to blind and disabled in his community. He told us a story. He just took a, a young couple, not married, man and woman, took them into his home because they didn't have a home. And so 
he is blind. He only sees gray. Wow. He takes them into his home, and he said, oh, it was so hard. He said they broke stuff. They were messy. They didn't clean up after themselves. He's blind, and he's walking around his house bumping into things, I would imagine, because they're not putting things back. And uh, he said it was so hard, but I just knew I had to love them to the Lord. They needed the love of Christ in their lives. You think about the sacrifice, and I think of even my own, in my own life, I, I know there are people who need the love of Christ. I'm not sure I'm ready to say, hey, why don't you come and move into my house? Exactly. And, and let me show you the love of Christ in that way. You know, one of the things about that video, and I, and I don't think it is possible to forget after you see it, the, the video ends, and, and we've told the story of Alex, and it's been through reenactments, but the last shot of the video is the real Alex sitting with the FARC commander who led the raid on that bus that killed those people and cost him his eyesight. Yep. And, yes. and this FARC commander since then has come to Christ, he and, has and come they to are Christ. now— brothers in Christ. And so you see that. And like I say, I don't, after you see that and understand what you're seeing, I don't think you can forget it. Yes. He's still living out that forgiveness. Even all these years later, he's still involved in ministry going back into prisons. Is that correct? Very much so. Going back into prison several days a week, um, reaching out to like, like this brother, just reaching out and not only forgiving him, but discipled him. Wow. Discipled the man who led the raid that caused him to be blind and to be injured, you know. I mean, he has very little feeling in parts of his face. It's just uh, things he lives with daily, but he accepted this brother. Did you, did you have the sense that that God allowed him that sense of forgiveness and that sense of love just sort of supernaturally? Like, he didn't have to work at it? God just sort of miraculously oh, did it? Or, no. or did he talk yeah. about— really wrestling through to get to that point? No, that's a, that's a great question. It's a great point. I think our listeners need to hear that because it's not some mystical kind of uh, feeling that just, oh, he feels great about it. It's all easy. No, several times during our meal, he put his hand on his forehead and leaned on the table and he said, it's so hard, but we just have to love them to Christ. It's so hard, but we have to forgive. You know, he just emphasized this it's a daily choice. It's things we choose to do because Christ has done it for us. We must do it to others. And I honestly tell you, Todd, I was very convicted multiple times during this meal, even uh, uh, two times brought to tears my own self as I'm sitting there because of things going on in my life and people I need to forgive. And I'm watching this brother and the Lord was just ministering to me. It's amazing how that happens as we go and, and get to sit at these lunch tables and and I still appreciate that you unpack that a little bit because I think, you know, we have listeners that maybe are in the same boat you're in. They need to forgive somebody. God's laid it on their heart. Hey, you need to you need to make this right. You need to forgive. And and I've been there too. We say, I'm not quite ready for that. You don't understand how wrong this person was. You don't understand how much pain they caused. I need to hold on to this for a little while longer. Yes. And like Alex says, it is it's hard. Yes. But there's ministry that comes out of it. There's growth that comes out of it when we get to that point. And, and there was such a peace about him. There was such a peace. And, you know, when I hold on to unforgiveness, I'm not at peace. And so just to watch him, observe him in this lunch time, it was really, really special. 
We're talking today on VOM Radio with Aaron Miller. He's the regional director for South and Central Asia and Latin America. He is just back from a trip to Colombia, and we're talking about some of the people that he met on this trip. Aaron, let's go back to talk about Anna a little more. Anna's the woman whose husband doesn't want to call himself a pastor, yeah. but he's actually functioning as a pastor. Their family is has been at risk, has taken great risks, and yet— she just keeps doing gospel things. Yes, yes. She, um, they, they had to flee a village where they were living because of their ministry of, of handing out Bibles to youth in the red zones. Um, they were threatened, and so they're living in a city. And she talked about that being hard. It was a hard adjustment for her daughters to come into a city and then have to get used to city life from the village. Mm-hmm. And... That can have a lot of things. It's a whole different world. Exactly. And so she, she talked about that. But she did say that, you know, because my daughters have gone through this, the Lord can use them in different ways now in, in their lives. And so that was really cool, too. But she, she just talked about still wanting to go to other red zones. Like she got kicked out of one and, or had to flee one. And so now she wants to go into other red zones and minister to youth and, and, and hand out gospel literature and, and just serve people. It's amazing. They have a really cool way of doing ministry as a family. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so they make some flatbread that they can sell in markets and at bus stations and, and such, uh, you know, for to passerby or, you know, people passing by or whatever. And so as they sell these things, she will let the girls sell them, and then she'll hand out literature and share the gospel with people who are going around, you know, who are buying them or not buying them or whatever, but she just, and so this is the way they do it. Sort of a self-supporting mission. They <laughs> make a little money selling the, the flatbread, and she has the opportunity to meet people and Absolutely. hand out tracks. Absolutely. I'm, I'm amazed and humbled by, I got, I had to flee out of this terrible situation where I was, my life was at risk. Now I want to go into this situation where that's probably going to happen again. Absolutely, it, yeah. It doesn't. It seems like I would. I had to flee this situation, so now I'm going to lay low for a while, and we're going to see. You know, yeah. we're, we're praying about what God wants us to do, and she's saying, "No, let's let's go. Let's go into this place." Yes. In fact, the the lady who was who had introduced us to Anna on this trip, she was nervous because Anna kept getting excited talking about <laughs> the next place she could go, and her voice would raise as she got excited. And that lady was very nervous, saying, "Hey, just keep it down, keep it down, keep it down." In fact, made us move after about thirty minutes. We moved locations, but she would get so excited. There was such a spark in her eye as she would talk about going to the next place and being able to get Bibles to the youth in those places. And she just sees that it's important. She she sees the need for it uh, and what God can do through it. Which is an exciting thing because obviously the FARC sees the effect that the Bible can have on the youth. So it's good to know that the church sees that too, and, and they see that as a mandate. Hey. Absolutely, we need to get these yes. Bibles out. How is VOM helping with that process, or, or what are the projects that VOM is doing to equip people like Anna to have those gospel tracts, to have those Bibles? Yeah, so we, we get these Bible, the Action Bible. Um, we get them uh, distributed to certain locations where people like Anna or others can pick them up, and then in a variety of ways they will get them into red zones. Sometimes they personally will carry them. Other times, if if it's too deep into a red zone and they can't go without being at great risk, 
and they don't embrace all risk. I mean, they right. are they do try to think through it. Um, they take risk, but they are calculated, and so they'll sometimes give a load of these action Bibles to farmers. And they'll just tell this farmer, hey, this is something for the kids in your community. Just hand them out when you get there. And the farmer's like, oh, great. There's nothing for kids in my community, so we'll take them for you. And they take them, and so <laughs> they're distributing them unknowingly, you know. Uh, but she did say that these Action Bibles are having an impact with youth and adults alike, and even some of the guerrilla soldiers that are picking them up and reading them is having an impact on them. For those of you who are interested, we had Sergio Cariello, who was the artist who actually illustrated the Action Bible, here on VOM Radio. You can listen to that interview at vomradio.net. Today we're talking with Aaron Miller. He is just back from Columbia and meeting with the church there. Aaron, you heard a story that is sobering and shocking about how the Action Bible prepared somebody to— stand up to the guerrillas to yeah. say, no, I don't, I don't want to become a Marxist. I don't want to take up a gun. I want to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know it's a hard story, but I'd, I'd love for you to share it with our listeners. Yeah. You know, our different trips take on kind of a characteristic, each of their own. It's very unique at times. And, and this trip was heavy for several reasons, but this was one of those moments when the Lord just let me see kind of the importance of what we do. This one young lady, her sister had been recruited into the guerrillas and had been there for a couple years. And they, the guerrillas had now come back and were trying to recruit others and they were recruiting her. And she stood up to them because she had received an action Bible and read it and had placed her hope and faith in Christ. I don't know if anybody had counted her or had led her through a prayer or anything like that, but she read this thing and she thought, this is true. This is what I want to live for. And so when they came with their ideology, she had the boldness and courage to stand up. She's a teenager. She had the boldness and courage to stand up and say, no, I'm not going. I won't live that way. And these groups are known not to make empty threats. They don't really tolerate people resisting them. And so they did take her life. And when they took her life, not only that, but they carried her body into the local church and left her there in the middle of the church. And that's a sobering thought to think a project that we were involved in. I wrote down in my journal, some projects we do save lives. This one cost a a life. And that was really difficult for me to process through. Um, The interesting thing is her parents are still very strong in their faith. They didn't walk away. They weren't bitter. They're still involved in their church. And the, and the person who was really telling me this testimony, they wanted us to know that. They wanted us to know that her parents are still following the Lord. Her parents are still trusting. There's so much to unpack from that story. But the, the idea that not only do you kill a young lady who's innocent, but you then leave her body in the church to send a message, hey, this could happen to all of you. Absolutely. If you want to keep being involved in church, you might be next. And yet for her parents to say, we're not scared off. We're still continuing to walk. Wow. What an amazing story. I hope that people will pray for that family and pray for the people of Columbia this week. We're talking with Aaron Miller. He is the regional director for VOM South and Central Asia and Latin America. Aaron, there's one more family that you met in Columbia that I want us to talk about today. And this is the the man's name is Alberto. 
He has an interesting story of his call to ministry, which I'd love for you to share. Absolutely. Again, I wrote this down. It was so powerful to me personally. He shared that he was involved in ministry. He was reaching out. He was an evangelist. He was, I think at that time, 2003, he was a church member who was being obedient, sharing the gospel with people. And he ended up being held captive by the FARC guerrillas for a month. And he was very clear to say that it wasn't just a month to be held captive. It was indefinite, but it ended up being about a month. And so he was released or was able to get away. And during that time, he said, that's my call to ministry. I shared the gospel with four of the men holding him captive, four of the guards. And he said, and, and with tears one day, all four of them accepted Christ. Wow. They came to the Lord. And he said, that's when I knew I was called to full-time ministry. I had to do this full-time. And, and Todd, my American mind was just going crazy. Uh-huh. You're being held captive against your will. For, for doing ministry. <laughs> for doing ministry, right. This now is, you're telling. This is what got you here, and now you say you want to do it full-time. Exactly, exactly. But it's just the power of God. It's just God's grace. He has answered that call. He has. He has been involved in ministry now these years. Yeah. It's not easy, though. No, it's not easy. What, what are some of the things that that have been challenges? Yeah, they're in the midst of, of some challenges even now. They've been told they can't buy food from people in the village. Their church members have been told, don't give food to your pastor or his family. So this is a way for the guerrillas to really force them out of force the village. Force them out, yes. Nobody can do business with you. Your church members can't bring you food. That's it. If you want to buy groceries, you can't live here anymore. They came into his church one Sunday when he was in the middle of a sermon, and they stopped the sermon, and they said, if you finish this sermon, we'll kill you right here. Now, he did stop. He didn't continue. You know, they don't take uncalculated risks. They understand the risk, but they are trying to be wise. They've had to move several times in the same area just to try to get some safety. And we're in the process of trying to help them move again and, and getting them out of that situation. Uh, there's health concerns with his family now, obviously, just because you can't eat right, you can't take care of yourself in, in the right ways. I, Todd, thought I had a brilliant solution to his problem. You know, as a, as a foreigner coming in, we were meeting with him near a grocery store. And I said, let's just buy a bunch of groceries, sack of rice. We'll load sit, up a car. Yeah, we'll send it home with them. <laughs> and he very politely, respectfully declined that. And he declined that offer because he said if he showed up with that food, it would be dangerous for him and his family. And that was a powerful moment for me to realize I can't do anything here. And a lot of these, our brothers and sisters, they don't mind being in trouble for doing ministry, for sharing the gospel, for giving out Bibles, but they don't want to be in trouble for taking home some groceries. They don't want to lose a life for that. Aaron, as we're thinking about the nation of Columbia and especially about the church there, what are the key prayer needs right now? I ask this question a lot when I meet with people, uh, almost every time. And the consistent answer was pray for the church. The church is scared because the guerrilla groups are growing stronger. There is a sense that there's going to be new battles. There's going to be new ground taken. So they are, they are nervous about that. A lot of churches have been closed. They've been told by the local commanders, you can't meet. And so they're going house to house. So just pray for the church to be strong, to be wise, uh, to, to maintain that boldness and courage that they need. But some of the people we met with who are going into these red zones, like Anna and others, they said, pray for us not to go empty. We cannot go lacking courage. We cannot go without the Holy Spirit. 
pray that we will go full of the Holy Spirit. And that was a pretty good thing for me to hear. I pray that for me. I pray that for our staff. And I pray that for our brothers and sisters who are going into some hard places. Lord, don't let us go empty. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Aaron Miller. He is the Regional Director for South and Central Asia and Latin America. He is just back from a trip to Columbia meeting with the church there. As I mentioned, we have had Aaron on previously, and you can find those interviews at vomradio.net. Aaron, it is always fun when I get a chance to sit down with you after a trip. Thanks for being our guest this week on VOM Radio. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's always fun. And Aaron is going to be back with us next week. Like I mentioned earlier, he's the Regional Director for Latin America. That's where we focused on today. But he's also the Regional Director for South and Central Asia. Next week, he's going to share some of what's going on there as we focus in particular on the nation of India. Find out how to pray, how to support your brothers and sisters facing a rising tide of Hindu nationalism in India. That's next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.